Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth. Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. All right, it is Sunday, it's 1 November. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And although the uh, elections will be over before most of the people that watch on YouTube, we're going to open in prayer for our elections. So, Heavenly Father, Lord God, we have an important election coming up in just two more days. The direction of our nation is at stake. It is certain that many in this land have departed from you and from your word that we once cherished so dearly. And it is true that even your people, those who have believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ, have failed to draw near to you and to your word. These are things we cannot deny. We have been faithless in pursuing our faith, and we have neglected your word, pursuing other things first. But Lord, despite our failings, we call out to you today to attend to this election, knowing for certain that if the left takes over the administration, these things will only accelerate. There will only be a greater departure from you. May this not be so. Intervene, O oh God, to drive this election favorably to a win for President Trump, and then guide him to continue to make right decisions that will honor you and glorify you. Appointing conservative judges, God-fearing judges, cutting funding for immoral practices, promoting the general welfare through getting people employed into a state of self-sufficiency, continued support for our great friend and ally, Israel. And Lord God, because we have asked for your hand in this election, we will be bold and ask for even more. Please turn both the Senate and the House races into Republican majorities. We cannot afford to lose the Senate, and we need to retake the House. Without this, the path will only be more difficult. It will be filled with more fake scandals, more wasting of time, and a continued trail of confusion for those who know of nothing except what they see in the liberal media. Give us this victory and then give us the will, the desire, and the ability to not squander it as our last Republican president did. Help us to be wise. Give that wisdom in abundance to President Trump and may we direct our lives, our hearts, and our treasures to restoring this to be a land that is wholly devoted to you. This we pray in the glorious and exalted name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. Our first category, as always, is Israel. And from Axios, Israel's secret embassy in Bahrain. Israel has been conducting undercover diplomacy in Bahrain for more than a decade through a front company listed as a commercial consulting firm. Did anybody know this? I thought this was very interesting. In Qatar as well. The existence of the covert diplomatic mission in the Bahraini capital, Manama, shows the depth of a secret relationship that came out into the open with a White House ceremony last month. The existence of the secret diplomatic office remained under an Israeli government gag order for 11 years. Negotiations over a potential secret diplomatic mission started in 2007-2008 through a series of secret meetings between Israel's then foreign minister, Zivi Livni, and her Bahraini counterpart, Khalid bin Ahmad al-Khalifa. Their close relationship, along with the decision by regional rival Qatar to shut down Israel's diplomatic mission in Doha, convinced the Bahrainis to approve the opening of a secret Israeli mission in Manama. 
On July 13, 2009, a company named the Center for International Development was registered in Bahrain. It was a front providing cover for Israeli diplomacy. According to Bahraini public records, the company offered marketing, commercial promotion, and investment services. According to the company's website, it provides consultancy services to Western companies interested in non-oil investments in the Gulf, mainly in the fields of medical technology, renewable energy, food security, and IT. The website claims the company's strong network of contacts in Bahrain and around the region helps it close deals. The front company was in fact hiring a very specific type of employee, Israeli diplomats with dual nationality. The Israeli diplomats all had cover stories backed by unconvincing LinkedIn profiles. A small group of Bahraini officials was aware of the secret mission. Several times over the last decade, concerns about possible leaks led to urgent damage control consultations between the countries to make sure the secret would remain secret. Minutes after the signing of a joint communique on establishing diplomatic relations, an Israeli official handed the Bahraini foreign minister a note with a request to open a genuine embassy in Manama. So there you go. They've been working on this now for years and years and years. And so the Bahraini agreement is just now in the open for something that's actually been behind the scenes for quite a while. I thought that was really interesting. From Zero Hedge, another interesting article. U.S. overseas unprecedented preliminary deal to transport UAE oil to Europe via southern Israel. If you remember, I, you may not have seen it, but uh, about two or three months ago, uh, my friend Benzer in the U.K. sent me a, an article about the oil pipeline that goes from Elat all the way up to the Mediterranean Sea. And that, that used to be used between Iran and Israel. And when their uh, diplomatic relations folded. Israel's continued to use this. And the article said that it very well may be that after the UAE makes an agreement with Israel for international relations, they will open up this pipeline to the UAE. Guess what's happening? It didn't take long for the historic U.S. brokered peace and normalization of ties between Israel and the UAE to shift focus to be a potential major oil pipeline with projects in the works. In what could be one of the most significant deals to emerge since Israel and the UAE normalized relations, the Israeli state-owned pipeline company, Europe Asia Pipeline Company, or EAPC, said that it had signed a memorandum of understanding to store and transport oil and distillates from the UAE to Europe, exactly as that article predicted would happen. Here it is. Through southern Israel from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean port of Ashkelon. This is unprecedented considering that up until just months ago, the Arab Gulf states and Israel were official enemies, as they had been for decades, especially over the fate of Palestinians. Without a doubt, this agreement has great importance for the Israeli economy, both economically and strategically, because it involves long-term joint investments. EACP Chairman Eretz Kalfon said, the arrangement is likely to increase the transferred quantities by tens of millions of tons per year. Supplies could start being delivered via the Red Sea to the Mediterranean route by early 2021. Specific details are being described as tightly guarded secret. However, there's speculation that the pipeline could eventually be extended across Saudi Arabia. Also, possibly as part of Washington's desire to see normalized relations between Riyadh and Tel Aviv. So that would be really something because they would be able to pipe 
everything over land instead of having these tankers take it around to Israel or before that all the way around to the Mediterranean Sea. So this is an important development and uh, it would not have happened without President Trump in office. From Zero Hedge, Twitter mob angry that a white Israeli actress will play a Macedonian Greek. Hmm. The Twitter mob erupted over the decision to cast a white Israeli to play Cleopatra in an upcoming film. The mob says the movie is whitewashing history since clearly the Egyptian princess should be played by a black actress, right? Well, actually, Cleopatra was of Macedonian Greek heritage and she ruled Egypt before the Arab conquest, so that means Cleopatra was neither Arab nor black. And from all Israel, U.S. State Department declares citizens born in Jerusalem can list Israel as country of birth. So there you go. You probably heard about that, but if you didn't, this is something that they have been promising, just like moving the embassy and all the things that the past four and five or more presidents have promised they would do. They made vows during the election they would do these things, and none of them did it. Our president came in, and he said, I'm going to do this, and he has done every single thing that he said he was going to do, and he's done it without you know, any blowback at all. I mean, people get upset, and then they get over it. And it's exactly what happens in this world. But when you prolong things and linger and make promises and don't do them, that's where people get upset. So we're very fortunate to have the president we have. And uh, I'm personally ashamed to know Christians that will not vote in this election. And I'm also personally ashamed to know Christians that will vote for Biden. I'm personally ashamed about that. But the ones... Christians that believe that having an abortion... Is okay. Having an abortion is okay. Yeah, we don't do that here. This is this is a, an election based on morality. And, you know, President Trump made certain promises when he was the president. We were talking about this before, and he fulfilled every single one of them. Now, Planned Parenthood is not defunded, but that's not because he didn't defund it. It's because the judges overruled his defunding of it. So that is a score victory for him, okay? It's a loss in the end because of the liberal judges, but it is a victory for what he said he was going to do. So I'm personally ashamed to know these people, and I'll say that to their face when I see them in the next life. But for now, from Christian News, I'd like to thank Brent Spray. He is the associate pastor at Cowboy Church in Texas. He stuck it through all of the Genesis sermons and is continuing on through all the other books as well. He's a good friend. We've become friends over the past couple of years and he emailed me. He says, I finished up Genesis and uh, imagine that he's associate pastor recently ordained there at the Cowboy Church and yeehaw, there you go. Good job, Brent. Ride him, Cowboy. All right, from the Christian Post, Michigan pastor leaves church over Trump support. Christians abandoned role of holding president accountable. Sounds like that guy, uh, what's his name, uh, John Piper, came out and he came against Trump this past week as well. I don't have any, I, I don't have any love for these people at all, except Christian love. I'm talking about love for their attitude. But as Christians, they can do whatever they want, but I just disagree with them completely. We have a million babies a year being slaughtered by the left in this nation, and Christians just close their eyes and think it's okay. All right, the pastor of a Christian Reformed Church congregation in Michigan has left the ministry due to his belief that the church is too supportive of President Trump. Well, I like that church. We need to get somebody, a decent pastor in there to take over because those people know what they're doing. Um, Pastor Keith Manis preached his final sermon at East Salgatuck CRC, telling the Holland Sentinel that he felt the church had abandoned its role in not holding Trump more accountable. There's a quote from Martin Luther King where he said the church must be reminded that it is not the master or servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. And that's exactly why I'm voting for Trump. 
The question of the church largely and how it's functioned in this moment has been really disturbing, he says. That's been troubling enough that I need to lay it all down. According to the pastor, he had to be very careful to not speak about his issues with Trump with members of the congregation, adding that it was tearing me up. Manis, who said his dislike of Trump over his rhetoric and actions had been building for years, went on to tell the Sentinel that the other clergy held similar feelings. Well, they had to get rid of all of them. It's not only me, but quite a number of pastors I know are just like, this is it? All this preaching we did? I bet you they don't preach from the Bible. I'll bet you they don't preach from the Bible at all. They just give these sappy sermons like you get down from Joel Osteen. Anyway, um, this is it. I think that's a real burden on a lot of pastors' hearts. I love these people. I love God. I love Jesus. I love the church. And it's probably true he does. But he shouldn't be in the pastorate if he doesn't know the difference between evil and at least somebody that's trying to stem the tide of that evil. But there's something happening here, he says. Well, it may be that we'll have something happening here in another three days if Trump doesn't win, because in less than a year, Joe Biden will no longer be the president, and we will have Kamala Harris running this nation, the most liberal senator, by far more liberal than Bernie Sanders in her votes, running this nation, because people aren't willing to get out there and do what needs to be done. You want to see destruction coming on a nation? That is it. He is not going to be able to sign his name to the first thing that's passed across his desk. I mean, that guy's done. From Christian headlines, church leaders across America differ on abortion policies. That means the church leaders across America do not know their Bible. That's all that means. From Christian Times, Christian leaders worldwide call on IMF and World Bank to cancel debts of the poorest nations. Once again, unscriptural. Signatories include, listen to these signatories, Sister Alessandra Smarelli, coordinator of the Economic Task Force of the Vatican, Commission for COVID-19, Professor Isabel Apawo-Firi, Director General Secretary of the World Council of Churches, Bishop Josiah Idu Ferron, Secretary General of the Anglican Communion, they're all lefties, and Reverend Fidin, I can't pronounce it, an African name, General Secretary of the All-Africa Conference of Churches, they would be the recipients of this, so I don't blame him for wanting it. And the church leaders warn of the devastation being wrought by the pandemic in poor countries and lament that they are having to spend precious resources on debt repayments instead of fighting COVID-19, which you don't have to fight because the CDC came out with a chart yesterday. It was in when I woke up at 3.20 this morning and turned on the internet. 999 percent survivability of COVID-19 right in the CDC website okay if you're over 70 it's 99.4 percent survivability so you over 70s here please be careful okay anyway there you go um yeah COVID-19 as our governments do all they can to respond to the pandemic we witness the ongoing injustice Injustice that the money so desperately needed for medicines, personal protective equipment, emergency food supplies, and social safety nets is still being diverted to debt repayments. They call on the institutions to show courageous leadership by canceling debts as the most immediate way to release the finance required to prevent millions of our sisters and brothers being needlessly pushed into poverty by the pandemic. Without the cancellation of debts, there remains a grave risk that developing countries will not have the money so desperately and urgently needed to halt the spread of the virus to treat people suffering from the virus and to mitigate and recover from the economic and social destruction threatened by the virus, they say. The letter was coordinated by global NGOs, including CAFOD, another liberal 
thing and the Christian aid and C-I-D-S-E. So here we have this, and this is, I said this long before this was even a major issue in the U.S. news, is that this will be the greatest wealth redistribution in the history of the world, and this is what they're trying to do right now with it. But from the Christian Post, World Overcomers Christian Church, woohoo, sounds great, doesn't it? Announces no in-person services until vaccine is developed. Well, I guess they're not overcoming after all, are they? From Mideast Africa, Jerusalem Post, Guatemala designates Hezbollah as a terrorist organization. These things would not have happened without President Bush. Guatemala's recognition comes a day after Estonia announced that it will impose sanctions on Hezbollah. From the Times of Israel, Czech Republic designates Hezbollah a terrorist organization. So that's another one. These things would not have happened if we did not have President Trump in office. From the Times of Israel, U.S. official Sudan to designate Hezbollah a terror group as part of Israel deal. Sudan is committed to designating Hezbollah a terror organization as part of its U.S. brokered agreement to normalize relations with Israel. The issue was not mentioned in the joint statement from Israel, Sudan, and the U.S. released by the White House on the normalization agreement, and no comment was immediately available from Khartoum. The move would mark a dramatic shift for Sudan, which was a staunch ally of Iran until 2016, helping the Islamic Republic smuggle rockets and other weapons to Palestinian terror groups in Gaza. This promoted Israel to repeatedly bomb military facilities in Sudan, according to foreign reports. Hezbollah is Iran's main proxy in the region, and both Israel and the U.S. have been calling on the international community to join them in blacklisting the Lebanese Shiite terror group. This is all to get Iran into a box, and this is the only thing that, or the only reason why this thing is happening is because of our president, and this will all, all be undone within months if he loses. I want you to know that all of this will be undone. Let's see here. Sudan would be following the lead of Estonia and Guatemala, which both took official action against Hezbollah this week. So you've got Estonia, you've got Guatemala, you've got Sudan, you've got the Czech Republic. You've got all these countries that are taking the side against the Iranian regime, as it should be. And, of course, you've got the Europeans that don't want that. They've been continuing to make deals with these people, and that's why they don't want Trump. And they've been pushing this issue against Trump as well, along with all of the other world. But... We got Christians that aren't willing to go out and vote. U.S. News. Iran says U.S. brokered Sudan-Israel deal secured by ransom. You can see they're upset about it, which means that it's the right thing. Reuters. Israel hails new era with Sudan, but Palestinians lament new stab in the back. Tough. From the Times of Israel. Abbas slams Israel-Sudan deal. No one can speak on behalf of Palestinians, and they haven't done very well for themselves over the past many years, and now the Arabs have departed from them because they just keep these issues alive. They just keep them alive and they're not willing to go forward in this world. That's their fault. Times of Israel, Palestinian lawyers file lawsuit against Britain for the 1917 Balfour Declaration. Yes, Palestinian lawyers filed a lawsuit against the British government for the 1917 Declaration setting out London's support for a national home for the Jewish people in ancient Palestine. The Balfour Declaration, signed by the then British Foreign Secretary Arthur James Balfour, is seen as a precursor to Israel's creation in 1948 and is viewed by Israelis as one of the most consequential events of the Jewish state's establishment. The lawyers filed the complaint at a court in the West Bank town of Nablus and claimed the suffering of the Palestinians stemmed from this document. 
The Balfour Declaration was published on November 2nd, 1917, which is November 2nd, one more day away, and we'll be celebrating that great anniversary a year before the end of World War I. It announced the British government's backing for the establishment within Palestine, then a region of the Ottoman Empire, a national home for the Jewish people. The British mandate is at the root of the suffering of the Palestinian people and has paved the way for the violation of their rights and the plunder of their land. Al-Masri, head of the Federation of Independent and Democrat Trade Unions, told a news conference in Ramallah. Al-Masri added that the declaration gave the Jews all political rights at the expense of the Palestinian people. The declaration did not, in fact, do so. It was a non-binding precursor to the 1947 UN partition plan, which would have seen the land divided between Jews and Arabs and two states existing side by side. The Jewish population accepted this plan, while the region's Arabs rejected it and attacked the Jews, leading to Israel's war of independence. So it's all their fault anyway. Still, the declaration was a shock to the Arab world, which had not been consulted and had received vague promises of independence of its own in the post-war breakup of the defeated Ottoman Empire. The Palestinians have always condemned the declaration, which they refer to as the Balfour Promise, saying Britain was giving away land it did not own. With the Balfour Declaration, London was seeking Jewish support for its war efforts, and the Zionist push for a homeland for Jews was an emerging political force. The British mandate for Palestine was later set up in the wake of World War I and governed the lands that today make up Israel and the West Bank until Israel's declaration of statehood in 1948. So you can see the Bible said way back in the book of Zechariah, behold, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup of trembling and all the nations of the world are going to be in, you stirred up over this and it's exactly what the Bible said, and it started back at that time. Actually, it started, you know, at the creation of the world. It's been in God's mind all along. But you can see how these things are unfolding slowly but surely, and they're now suing Britain over this, which it's just symbolic. It's not going to go anywhere. But from Israel, Hayom, Saudi campaign to boycott Turkish goods, which I brought up about three weeks ago, gains momentum. Remember when I reported on this, it was only NGOs that were wanting it and the government was not a part of it. But an unofficial imports embargo imposed by Saudi Arabia on Turkish goods is undermining that latter's exports not only to the Persian Gulf power, but to its neighbors and other countries as well. The move was triggered after Turkish President Erdogan recently asserted that Arab countries in the Gulf will not exist for long, but Turkey will always remain powerful. Saudi Twitter campaign to boycott Turkish-made products was launched within hours and has reportedly gained further momentum over the past few days, attracting the support of commentators and businesses. Data released by the Turkish Exporters Assembly said Saudi Arabia is the country's 15th largest export market with sales amounting to $2 billion in the first nine months of 2020, a drop of 16% compared to the same period of 2019. So you open your mouth, shoot your foot. That's what you do when you're Erdogan. From Arab News, Lira, oh, what do you expect? Lira plummets amid Turkey's foreign policy adventurism. The Turkish lira began the week on a record low, falling to 8.0 per dollar on Monday morning. Despite repeated state intervention for months, 
The currency has lost 86% of its value since the financial crisis of 2008. Its decline comes as Turkey continues to antagonize Europe and the United States with its foreign policy. And now he's antagonizing the Arab world as well. So he's digging himself a hole and he's going to have one place to turn. One place, Russia. Exactly what the Bible says, That's where, and that's where he is turning already because he knows he's not getting out of this hole any other way. From Mongolia, from the Independent, Japan, Mongolia to cooperate on free and open Indo-Pacific. The foreign ministers of Japan and Mongolia agreed to cooperate in promoting a free and open Indo-Pacific, a vision that Tokyo is pushing with the U.S. and other like-minded countries to counter China's growing assertiveness in the region. Japanese Foreign Minister Toshimitsu Motegi said, Motegi, who agreed with counterparts from the U.S., Australia, and India at Quad Talks in Tokyo to seek more country support for the FOIP concept of security and economic cooperation in ensuring open sea lanes to the Middle East. China claims most of the South China Sea. The Japanese and Mongolian ministers said that they pledged further cooperation in achieving the FOIP while agreeing to step up security, medical, and economic cooperation. The two sides also signed a $235 million emergency loan to help the pandemic hit Mongolian economy and fund medical equipment. The only reason why Mongolia's pandemic hit is because of other countries, not because of Mongolia, because they have had no cases of their own. They've had 40 come in from other countries, and that's it. So it's just that the world is being realigned by these globalists, and they're pushing this pandemic, and it's harming countries. And so Japan is giving them a little bit of money. We've given them money, and Mongolia has just reaped in a bunch of money from other countries over the past eight months or so, as we've reported. Anyway, from Daniel 12 Technology, Mail Online. You might have seen this. If not, it's pretty super. New super white paint that reflects 95.5% of sunlight off buildings is so good at reducing heat, it could one day replace air conditioning. Yeah, scientists at Purdue developed the new acrylic using calcium carbonate fibers. It remains 10 degrees centigrade cooler at night than the ambient temperature and 1.7 degrees centigrade lower in the daylight. It could keep buildings cooler and prevent outdoor machinery from overheating. Other heat-rejecting paints only reflect about 80 to 90% of light. Specialists are working on possibly obtaining the same results while adding in other pigments to avoid the paint being dubbed racist. Okay, I added in, I added in the last sentence, yes. All right, from Israel Info, defense company Raphael has developed a navigation system for the IDF that does not depend on GPS. So you've got GPS, it's world standard, you know where you are and you know where you're going. If they don't have GPS, what do you do? These guys have developed it. This is an Israeli development. Since progress does not stand still, and GPS navigation can already be relatively easily blocked or misled, the IDF sent a request to Raphael to develop a navigation system for armored vehicles and military drones that would be resistant to blocking enemy signals. According to the scenarios of the IDF, military analysts, which may be implemented in the next war in Lebanon, the Gaza Strip, or elsewhere, 
the enemy will first of all drown out the reception of the GPS signal so that it will be impossible to receive a signal from American navigation satellites or broadcast at such a frequency because of which the computer system will display the wrong location of enemy objects. That's a bad problem, right? Such a loss of orientation on the ground can lead to very serious consequences. The ability to accurately navigate the battlefield is important both for the accuracy of the attack of an enemy target and for determining the location of one's own troops and for the quick evacuation of the wounded. Several years ago, Raphael received a request from the IDF to develop a GPS navigation system for armored vehicles, such as tanks and armored personnel carriers, as well as the Army Hummer Jeeps. The navigation system was based on the computer vision and image analysis systems developed by Raphael for bombs and guided missiles. We talked about that a couple years ago. These systems are capable of identifying a target using a video camera and accurately targeting an object. The system, dubbed Mary Derech, used three-dimensional photographs of the area previously obtained from drones, satellites, or other types of aerial vehicles. A series of cameras mounted on a combat vehicle scan the environment, create a 3D image of it, and then compare it with the 3D image from above to determine the location. The system can send data about its location to other units and receive data about their location so that military coordination can be carried out even without GPS. The Raphael operating system will cost several thousand dollars to equip each armored vehicle and has recently been shown to a number of foreign armies that are showing great interest in it. So you've got 3D mapping from above. All they do is a 3D map from the vehicle, wherever you are. It immediately compares the two and you keep driving, you know just where you are. That's very inventive. From Revelation Plagues today, Zero Hedge. Four newborn babies die in Australia after being denied heart surgery due to COVID travel rules. Adelaide is the only mainland Australian capital that doesn't provide pediatric cardiac surgery. Therefore, around 100 babies a year have to be sent to interstate to receive treatment. However, due to COVID-19 lockdown restrictions imposed by the Australian government, transfers to Melbourne have stopped and the babies have to make a longer journey to Sydney instead. Obstetrician Professor John Svigos said four babies who had died in Adelaide in the past month had been unable to be transferred and would have almost certainly benefited from on-site surgery. The deaths of the four newborns have sparked outrage across Australia. Numerous health experts have warned that the impact of coronavirus lockdown measures is having a devastating impact on health and untold deaths due to serious illnesses going untreated. Mail Online, U.S. overdose deaths on track to hit an all-time high amid the 2020 pandemic. Drug fatalities have surged by at least 19% in Connecticut, 28% in Colorado, and 30% in Kentucky, the report finds. Um, Yeah, BBC, socially distanced Sesame Street calms children's COVID fears. Yeah, they've got the Sesame Street figures socially distanced so that the children don't panic. Mail online. Lives of 130,000 Americans will be saved by March if 95% of people wear masks. Yes, but COVID-19 death toll will top 500,000 if they don't, study predicts. 
That's a yeah. lie. That is a lie. That's that's a complete lie. But there you go. That's what they're trying to force on you. And you know what? I had to wear a mask on the plane to go up and visit Holler's church. I had to do that. Okay. I have to wear a mask when I go into Bank of America. They won't let in. There's a guard that stands in the way and you have to wear it. Okay. And I had to wear it when I went to the skin doctor. I had to wear it when I went to the dentist. They won't let you in without it. Other than that, I have yet to put on a mask. Whatever. Morality. Seattle Times. U.S. signs international declaration challenging right to abortion and upholding role of the family. The U.S. joined Brazil, Egypt, Hungary, Indonesia, and Uganda to co-sponsor a non-binding international anti-abortion declaration in rebuke of the UNHRC, which has enshrined abortion access as a universal right. The Geneva Consensus Declaration aims to promote women's health, defends the unborn, and reiterates the vital importance of the family, Pompeo said at the ceremony. Our president sent the Secretary of State to sign this document because he believes in protecting the unborn. You don't vote, it's your fault. The blood of these children can be on your hands for the rest of your life and on into eternity for all I care. We've got a president that is actually trying to do something for this world and the children that are unborn in it. Access to abortion is widely restricted in the other countries to co-sponsor the declaration. There is no international right to abortion, Pompeo said. Critics said the declaration less than two weeks ahead of the presidential election marked the latest move by the Trump administration to build alliances with leaders accused of human rights abuses while working to promote abortion restrictions worldwide. Human rights abuse to want to support and maintain the health of a child in a womb. From the BBC, Poland abortion, top court bans almost all terminations. Poland's abortion laws were already among the strictest in Europe, but the Constitutional Tribunal's ruling will mean an almost total ban. Now, they are protesting big time since that was a couple days ago. They are having huge protests. Let them protest. I hope they don't change their mind. Whatever. Our other category from the Epic Times. I'm really upset about this abortion issue. If there's any other, I don't care, any other issue that is out there. You want a lot more money. You don't want to pay taxes and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. These are human lives that are being terminated, and they don't care about it deadly. They don't care about it at all. And I'm talking about Christians that say that they're Christians. From our other category, Epic Times, red states, economies faring better amid CCP virus, unemployment data indicates. No kidding. Republican states have generally handled the economic effects of the CCP virus pandemic much better than Democrat states. Based on unemployment data, the lockdowns and other restrictions imposed in response to the coronavirus pandemic hammered the nation's economy, with unemployment rising to a record high 14.7% in April from a historically low 3.5% in February, before gradually receding to 7.9% in September. Of the 10 states with the lowest unemployment rates in September, nine went for President Trump in 2016. The data indicates of the 10 states with the highest unemployment, nine were won that year by Democrat nominee Clinton. The contrast comes starker when the state's unemployment rates before the pandemic are taken into account. Unemployment rates in red states have risen on average by less than 2.7% compared to September 2019. In blue states, they rose nearly five points, almost double. Republican-led states tended to impose less severe restrictions in response to the pandemic and reopen their economies earlier. Good. Zero Hedge. 
New York City hotel occupancy rate crashes toward 10% as permanent closures loom. 10%. Some hotels like the Midtown Hilton have remained closed since March. They've been closed, completely closed since March. Others like the Pierre are operating in limited capacity. Those that are open for business have slashed prices by more than 60%. You want to go to New York? Now's the time, except you be in quarantine for the next six months while you're waiting. <laughs> Despite October usually being a fruitful month for tourism in New York City, coronavirus has forced the cancellation of staple events like the New York City Marathon and Fashion Week. It's not coronavirus, it's that de Blasio. That's who's done it. And while the industry has definitely recovered since March, it still has a long way to go, 200 of New York's roughly 700 hotels remain closed completely. Occupancy rates in New York City stand under 40% right now, with the average daily room price at $135. Those figures last October stood at 92% full and $336. Industry locals say the 2020 figure may even be inflated, as many hotels stopped reporting data for the time being. Executives in the industry predict that up to 20% of the city's hotels could wind up permanently closed. This is what's going to happen if Trump loses in the next couple days. This is what's going to happen in this nation. It's not going to take long. They will have this nation ruined as quickly as possible. And yet we've got people out there that are actually not going to vote. I, I just can't understand. If you're one of these people, I would hope that you never watch this update again because I don't have time for you. I Don't send me emails about why I'm wrong. I don't care. You're the ones that are not doing what you should be doing as a person. You know, we have duties as citizens. That's right there in the Bible. This is one of them. Study finds COVID-19 is pushing Americans to want more government involved in their lives. Can you imagine that? We just went through these statistics and they want more government? Weasel zippers. New York police invade the home of a Jewish family because they have too many people in their house. You know, yeah, now you have too many people if you're COVID-19 restricted. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was in Malaysia, I lived in Malaysia and I had a friend that lived in an apartment building. Okay. And the people next door had 29 Indonesians living in their house. It was one, one apartment. They slept like this, foot to head, foot to head, foot to head. And then the people worked at night and people worked at the day and they just swap out. And that's how they lived. New York Post. Some early voters want to change their vote after Hunter Biden exposes. Well, it's a little too late for most of them. There are a couple states that will allow you, but very few. Mail online. New organ discovered. Did you know that a new organ was discovered in the human body? Did anybody here know this? Does anybody know where it is? I mean, nobody obviously does because they don't. Uh, it's close. It's close. Yeah, they discovered a brain. Okay. Um, mail online. New organ discovered in the human throat that lubricates an area behind the nose is found accidentally by researchers studying prostate cancer. Can you imagine this? Yes. It's a long way to go. It's a long way to go. Well, here's, here's why they found it. The tubarial salivary glands are located in the back of the nose, about 1.5 inches long. The two glands help keep the area well lubricated. The discovery was accidental as researchers were looking for prostate tumors, okay? Radiation treatments targeting the throat causes eating and speaking problems. So they're looking for tumors in the throat because of the treatment, okay? And they found these two glands. Knowing the glands exist means doctors can try to limit radiation to the region. 
They had no idea. Now that shows you the complexity of the human body where we've been whacking open bodies for thousands of years and we didn't know they were there. Well, look, what's that guy's name? Da Vinci. That's what he'd do. He'd get these bodies and he'd cut them open and he'd study them. He had everything diagrammed. People, they've been doing this now forever. And they had no idea that that was there. That's amazing. Zero hedge. Yeah, 1.5 inches long and that's big. Zero hedge. U.S. GDP soars. Now, you probably know this, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's good news. U.S. GDP soars by a record 33.1% in Q3, smashing expectations. What goes down must come up, and one quarter after U.S. GDP collapsed by a record 31.4% annualized. Moments ago, this is when it was published, the BEA reported that in Q3, the U.S. economy rebounded by a similarly record high 33.1%, the biggest annualized increase in history. And that would not have happened if we had any other president than Donald Trump. With blue states still, With shut, blue states still shut down. Still shut down. Mail online. Freeze! <laughs> Japanese police pause a raid so suspects can come out and check their temperatures to ensure they don't have coronavirus. Yes. Now listen to this and I'll tell you a story and then you'll believe that this is true. Officers attempted to get into headquarters of leftist group Chukakuha in Tokyo. Representatives of the group hold COVID thermometer guns to the officers' heads. Now, that sounds bizarre. I'm going to tell you, I lived in Japan for six years. I was watching TV with my wife as we did each night and while I was watching the show, and this was a Clint Eastwood style movie. Action, real, it, it wasn't a comedy, it was nothing like that. This was an actual movie where there was suspense, there were people being killed, etc. The police are chasing people through an apartment building. The criminals get to a door and they find that it's open. They're, they're checking the doors, it's open. The criminals stop and take off their shoes. No. Yes, they did. They carry their shoes through the apartment and out the other side. The cops are now chasing. This is Clint Eastwood's serious movie. The cops get to there, they stop, and they take off their shoes, and then they go through the apartment to chase the criminals. This is so ingrained in their mind in Japan, honor and decency, that they would not even think in a movie, which tells you in real life they wouldn't either. They would stop and they would take off their shoes because it's such a disgrace to wear shoes inside. Yes, the criminals first, and the cops almost got them, but the cops stopped and took off their shoes and went through. It, so, there you go. That, I believe that story 100%. And being married to a Japanese, I don't wear shoes. Okay. I got a lesser cure for you. Let's see if you can figure out what's going on. Scientists have developed new white that can cool down what's hot overnight. Makes things cooler by day than they were by the way. Seem those guys like their paint are real bright. Okay, I got a couple of ironies for you and we will be done. I call this take from the rich. Okay, who is it that we think of when we think of take from the rich? Robin Hood. Okay, does everybody know, because I didn't know this, there was a, or there is an app out there known as Robin Hood. Okay, Zero Hedge. Robin Hood users' accounts mysteriously looted. <laughs> yes, take from the rich. And then Mail Online, TV camera crew this happened a couple years ago, I reported on it. It happened again this past week. TV camera crew films brazen shoplifter stealing from San Francisco Walgreens during live news report oh, about oh rampant thefts 
at the store. Right there, they're stealing, and they were just filming them on this thing. So such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida, to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett asking you one last time to go out and vote for Donald Trump. This is the superior word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.